0: Welcome to Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, the wonderful private company owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission is to formulate litters that keep cats using the litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give their kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. With Dr. Elsie's support, the Cat Chat Show brings you interviews with cat authors and experts, some old favorites, some new conversations, so you can better understand and appreciate your own feline family members. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival, short films from around the world that celebrate the kitty cat, which will be back in theaters, starting on Global Cat Day, October 16th, around the country, and will travel nationwide through 2022. Meantime, thanks to Dr. Elsie's, you can now see streaming versions of earlier festivals for free on Tubi-TV. Well, this is great fun. I have a new cat friend on the other side of the world in New Zealand, a marvelous young Kiwi named Molly Kelsey, who has the cat connection, and she helps people with their kitty cats. Molly, this is so great that you've carved out this life for yourself as a young woman. You're a cat counselor. How did you come to this wonderful profession? Yeah, it's
1: been a wonderful journey, and I want to thank the cats I've met along the way who have made it possible. I um, started off actually vet nursing when I was fresh out of high school. And after a few years, I moved into a more administration role. And I I just wasn't getting the connection and impact that I wanted. And through my interactions with cats over the years, I did notice an alarming trend of cats whose behavioral needs were just not being met. And as a consequence, they were having behavior problems, health problems, and owners just weren't equipped to deal with them. So I decided to go back to university. (laughs) Wow. And two years later, yeah, I finished. And here we are now.
0: Well, when you went to university, are there courses in university on feline behavior or animal behavior in general?
1: Yes, there are. Uh, In New Zealand, there's nothing for cats. We do have some universities that offer canine training, but for cats, I studied by distance with a UK-based provider, um, which a lot of people are doing now with COVID anyway, so it worked out quite well.
0: Isn't that something, so you decided to do it in a very organized way? not to just sort of hang up a sign and say, do you have a cat problem? Let me help. You decided to really educate yourself so that you would feel confident and people would have confidence in your advice.
1: Definitely because the industry has very little regulation. That's right. There are a lot of people who are doing it who don't necessarily have the academic background. And because we're dealing with live animals who are interacting with people, It's not just a welfare issue if something goes wrong. It's also a safety issue. And I want to put the best foot forward and for people to actually get the right advice for their cats so everyone's happier in the long run.
0: I'm very impressed because, yes, it's an unregulated industry in the United States too. And people just sort of put words that have the word cat or feline in it consultant or, you know, behaviorist. And it, it's just based on made up words, because there is no regulation of the industry. So to set out to do it properly from the beginning is impressive, because I'm sure you had a gift without that extra training in how to read cats behavior, and the kind of advice which some of it's just meat and potatoes, isn't it with people, they just don't know simple things about cat body language, or or litter box issues, and how people are contributing to problems without even knowing it. And yet you decided to go the full distance and really get that degree, if it's called a degree in New Zealand. Did you find veterinarians, or did you go back to the vet practice where you'd been to recommend you? How did you build your practice? How did you get clients
1: Yeah, so I'm still lucky enough to be working part-time at my old vet clinic just to get my little fix of um, medicine filled. Nice, nice. And I have met some clients through there and I've had vet friends recommend me through other clinics as well who I've met over the years. But most of my uh, client introductions have actually been through social media, uh, through my Instagram account and also working um, on – rescue projects with local organizations, so I offer my services at a reduced or no-cost fee to certain rescues that are in my area, and they just pass on my details to new adoptees who might be struggling with a cat, and it's kind of just rolled on from there.
0: Isn't that wonderful? You did it for all the right reasons, and in doing it that way, it built a foundation for people who could afford your help to actually hire you and pay you for help that is invaluable. Because I think there just isn't enough common knowledge about how to make a happy, safe, healthy home for a cat. But people really want to live with cats. But there's these things, just basics about, you know, vertical space. Is that one of the issues that you help people with, how to make their house more cat-centric, cat-friendly, and enriching, safe for them, that they feel safe, I should say?
1: Yeah, most definitely. A lot of people grab the uh, scratch tower and they stick the litter box in the corner of the laundry with the washing machine going right. and then go, yep, I'm, I'm all done. set. <laughs> and in reality, we're not meeting their needs with those at all because we're not providing hiding spaces. We're not providing multiple vertical perches. We've got the bathroom for the cat in a noisy room with the tray in a corner which to a cat is not very safe. Right. Um, They don't like to feel cornered when they're doing their business. So there's definitely a big gap in the knowledge that, say, people have about dogs. When they get a dog versus a cat, I think for the most part because cats, they will often suffer in silence Mm -hmm. um, for quite a while. And it's only when they start acting out, as what people call it, that people go ah oh, something might be wrong but the cat's been telling them for months Yes but it's just a lack of education
0: when you when you started the Instagram account, was it just a young woman having fun or did you always intend it to be an avenue for people to learn that there was more they needed to know and you could provide some of it?
1: bit of both um, it made me spend a bit less time just looking up random cats all the time to follow. My um, my partner just rolls his eyes whenever I'm like, did you see this cat? And he's like, no, I, I have a live molly. And so it provided me with a bit of a more um, strategic use of the app. And it's been nice to connect with other cat lovers and other people that work with cats on a professional level, especially because with New Zealand being you know so removed from the rest of the world, Social media
0: lets us connect, no matter the distance. It's it's a wonderful bridge for advice, for information, for support. We don't think of that. You know, we live, we that might live in some part of the world that is more populated and not quite so distant, feel as if that, you know, you could reach out and touch a cat person, but probably in New Zealand, which is one of the beauties of it, you can't really reach out and touch much of anything, which is one of the beauties of it, that it's not crowded, that it's not overpopulated. I guess COVID has made it even more insular because you were locked down, but then you weren't necessarily locked down, but the rest of the world was shut out. Did that change what you were doing with cats?
1: Definitely. Um, When it comes to working with rescues, I am doing purely online consultations. Um, at the moment, the city I'm in, Auckland, is in lockdown still, so no I don't see kidding. that changing for a while. Yeah, it's been about three months now. Wow. Yeah, and when it comes to visiting clients in their homes, I can't do that at the moment, so I'm also doing video conferencing with owners, which has been a bit of a learning curve for some of my clients because they're not used to doing it and right. they can feel quite um, disconnected because you're not there in the home. Um but we've made it work. We've made some adjustments to how we operate. And, yeah, it's just it's just been adapting like everyone's been adapting. And it's, you know, I've learned a lot over the course of the last few months. How
0: hard is it for someone who's youthful and, you know, full of life and energy and probably would love to have a more whatever we mean by normal social life? Mm. What's it like to be sort of shut shuttered? Is your lockdown so strict that you can only go out to a grocery store?
1: So you can pick up contactless items from the store. Say, I, I don't know if you guys have Kmart, but yep. it's like a, a low-cost store that sells a bunch of different items. Right, we have that. You do click and collect. And grocery stores, you can go into grocery stores and purchase. But things like uh, movie theaters or um well gosh, gyms and what I and used to do gyms and
0: beauty salons how do you keep your hair pink me also mm, your yeah. hair is all pink my hair is only a little bit of pink in the front but I would be out out on a well, how will I how will how would how do you keep it pink all on your own
1: oh I've got a lot of regrowth at the moment um <laughs> it, it honestly makes me feel ill just looking at it I, so uh, the hair salons they're slowly opening up I think it's in December uh with very stringent rules in place with masks and everything and places like the gyms are still closed um so i'll be getting my hair done at some point but the very it's a first really thing priority what
0: right about now. restaurants no restaurants i'm sure uh,
1: no they have contactless pick up so takeaway but there's no in dining um so it's it's still quite different. Very
0: strict. Well, we, we go the rest of the world goes through moments of being strict and moments of being wanton and doesn't mm. seem to be working all that well, but everyone's trying to figure it out as they go along. Are the rescues still able to adopt out kitties?
1: Yes. Some of them are doing contactless adoptions. I think it's just up to the board who run the rescue as to what their policy is. Some are still doing it. The few that I know and are involved with are still doing contact lists. Um, and it's actually worked out quite well because it frees up a lot of the administration time for the teams, because the people who are adopting just interact and in liaison with the foster family. Oh, and right. Then, yeah. So because with New Zealand, the majority of our rescues operate with a foster network, which is really good with lockdown because people are home more. So They're available to look after, you know, litters of kittens and things like that. Um, So rescue and adoption are still going ahead, but it's very hard with kitten season here because vets are obviously operating at a reduced capacity with all the protocols in place to protect the staff. They're not able to churn through the numbers that they usually can.
0: Especially for spay neuter, right?
1: Yeah, with desexing, it's not as easy as it used to be.
0: What is the cat situation in New Zealand? Are they a, a very popular pet? Do Does every other household have a cat? Are there a lot of feral cats, community cats, mm. that are looked after by a TNR group? Or are cats viewed as a, a terrible jeopardy to, to bird life and, and looked at negatively? For example, in America and Hawaii, there's a, a huge problem with enormous Colonies of feral cats. The TNR people want to TNR them, but the wildlife people are very worried about the birds. How is that in New Zealand, that whole attitude to cats?
1: It's a similar situation. Um, In New Zealand, cats are our most popular pet by far. Um, The last time I checked the numbers, registered cats, they estimate about 1.2 million in the country, and this is a country with just over five million people to the top of my head so if you think about that that's a lot that's of a cats. lot of
0: cats and, and those, those are just, just the, the registered ones. ones right those not are the just ones the that owned ones. right
1: yeah versus 800,000 dogs so there are a lot a lot more cats and with New Zealand the majority of cats are allowed inside outside access they're not contained in catios or indoor or cat proof fencing so there is a lot of predation done by owned cats not even touching on the feral or colony cats that have been looked see. after by TNR groups. So there is a big shift of some people being against cat ownership or wanting to have very stringent population control of unowned cats versus, I call them cat people, but just people who have cats and, you know, think butter wouldn't melt. Um so it is a bit of a problem here because we have so many native species Correct. that evolved without predators like cats. We've got kiwis and other birds like that that just stand no chance um, against wild cats. So it's a, it's a very tenuous situation here at the moment. Um, we've got people that are trapping cats and there's also people trying to push legislation against TNR. Um for population control, so it's a very tricky situation.
0: That's what I thought, and I knew there was, and I think it was New Zealand, but maybe it was Australia, where there was very recently, in modern times, within a year or two, that there was a bounty being given for people mm-hmm. who scalped cats. Was that New Zealand?
1: I know Australia did a mass extermination. Terrible. Um, that was, it was huge, and it, it didn't even touch the surface. It, um, the feral cat problem in Australia makes New Zealands look a lot less severe, um, but they've got a whole lot more land. And, yeah, it's just the problem is this, they cause a lot of damage, but they're just doing biologically what they're required to survive. It's not their fault, but, yeah, it causes so much damage.
0: So there's, So there's definitely a controversy, and it's interesting because the idea that cats should be indoor-outdoor is the British idea. The Royal mm. Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, if you want to adopt a cat in England, even if you live in the heart of London, I just know this through a dear friend who was a cat person. She was actually the editor of, of my book, The Cat Bible, before she moved to England and, and became British eventually. <laughs> and you had to certify that your cat would be allowed out a certain number of hours a day in the in the heart of London. It was mm. like considered uh, you know, inhumane, not good animal husbandry kind of thing to let the cat, to make the cat or keep the cat only indoors. So there are so many different points of view about it, but it's it must be hard to be a cat advocate in a country where there's so much anti-cat sentiment. It must be complicated, and it's and it's not a straightforward, there's only one right answer. We know that mass extermination of dogs or cats, whether it's done in China or in Australia, does not work. For a variety of reasons, it's simply not an effective solution, leaving aside whether it's humane or not. So I'm glad that you're there. We're running low on our time, Molly Kelsey, but you as the CAT counselor are doing wonderful work in New Zealand. I think you're a, a real testament to what someone can do when they just set out to do something well. And it's, I think it's a great life's work, and I and I hope you continue to do it and continue to advocate for cat people and cat cats because i think it's it's great and the more knowledge that's out there and the more of a support system and a community you make the better the world will will the better off the world will be so thank you for what you're doing
1: Oh, thank you. It's been wonderful chatting with you.
0: Is there any chance you're going to come to the U.S.? Oh, never mind. That's a stupid question. Of course you're not (laughs) coming here. You can't even leave your apartment. Never mind. That was a dumb question. If you ever come to America, we'd love to have you here. You're, You're absolutely charming, and the work you're doing is great. So thank you so much.
1: Sounds great.
0: Thanks for listening. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and affection for Cats Everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, which has broken new ground by creating a healthy, dry, and canned food for kitties called Clean Protein, which is inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey. I recommend that wet food should always be your cat's primary diet, but Clean Protein is the first dry cat food I believe can be a healthy choice if you want to feed dry food, even as part of your kitty's diet.